Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. This is Stuart Wright from the future cutting in on the past recording of my interviews with Rosk Boyersk. If the opening few minutes of this podcast sound familiar, that's because it's exactly the same as the intro to the podcast discussing I Am Vengeance, the sequel that Ross Boyersk made recently. It's out on VOD. This conversation, while it does include a plug for I Am Vengeance, is Five great action movies as billed in the subject headline. So without further ado, on with the show. And don't worry if you think you've heard this before, because I promise you, after the film's been introduced, the conversation about five great action movies has never been heard until you press play. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright. Welcome to the show, Ross Boyos. How are you? Hello, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm uh, doing surprisingly well, actually, given the, the, the last few months. Uh, how about yourself? Ditto. And I think what we should say, for those listening to this in 2025, uh, it's 2020 and we're 100 plus days into lockdown, stroke, flibbity flibbity, whatever the Tories are advising this week. We've not come here to talk about the state of COVID because there are films being released, one of which is your movie, I Am Vengeance Retaliation. Congratulations on the movie. I'm... Uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing wild hysterical press everywhere. The Guardian, no less, Ross. The Guardian <laughs> are telling us it's pure-hearted passion for movie making. And a friend of the podcast and where the podcast will end up, some of you listening may even be clicking on their page now, is um is nerdly. Phil mm. Wheat is a very good friend, often my neighbour at Frightfest when he comes down to London. And he was I mean, he was already very he was already excited about Iron Vengeance, the first one in this uh in this i'm guessing series of films or is this is it just the two it is i mean no well i mean it is somewhat becoming the franchise uh which was very exciting and and on that when we made the first one uh variously known as vengeance and i am vengeance and some other titles across the world um it was in our mind possibly like like in no in in, in fairly simple terms the idea was kind of a british punisher Okay. You know, it, well, before we get into that, you know, before we get into those mm. details, then because it's out now, so tell people what I am Vengeance Retaliation is all about. So give us a brief synopsis. Brilliant. Okay, so 
I Am Vengeance Retaliation uh, is the sequel to Vengeance or I Am Vengeance. You don't need to have seen the first film to understand it, though. Uh, we, we were very... That was one of the specific aims on the script, uh, but you don't need to understand it. Uh, but the story is uh, ex-Special Forces operative, who is now uh, essentially off the grid and operating as a soldier of fortune. His name's John Gold, uh, played, played by Stu Bennett, uh, is tracked down by his former handler, uh, Frost, played by Mark Griffith, uh, to essentially kind of come back into the fold and track down the man who betrayed Gold's team some years ago. Uh, yeah, the character's name is Sean T, played by Billy Jones, and essentially Sean T, uh, kind of on a mission in Eastern Europe some years ago, essentially betrayed the team. A bunch of them got killed. This is what meant, made uh, Gold go off-grid. Uh, they assumed that uh, Teague was dead. They have uh, found him to have resurfaced recently. So essentially, uh, Gold is convinced to uh, come and bring Teague to justice. He'd like to kill him, really, to be honest. But he's convinced that if he brings Teague in alive, uh, back to like military for uh, sentencing, uh, that he can then kind of have his life back again. He can kind of you know become a real person again and not be off grid and be hunted by the government. Right then, we're going to do five great action movies. You're the first okay. to do this, Ross, so the floor Uh-oh. is yours to, to sort of lay the template down for future action movie fans who come on. Yours will, be, where... yours will be the yardstick people are judging it off. This is where it all goes from. <laughs> well, no, I had um, screenwriter Tamsin Raffin come on. She did five great rom-coms. Huh? That was the first time oh, that was ever done. So, you know, somebody's got to do it first is the point. And, that's fair. <laughs> and given given I given I know what you like, and that's why I asked yeah. you if you do it, it's something that I kind of want to. It's like I want to get it, bottle it a bit myself, so we can get a sense of it. Because <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs> fascinated. Because it's almost like you live it. You 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 have a fandom of films that lives in my poster memory of my local video shop. That's kind of that's where I am. <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I live. I need blockbusters and rich video back again desperately. Well, look, I'm just going to... What we're going to do is we'll do five films, and as I always mm. do, it's five minutes per film. So right. when people hear the sound of... And I'm and this is a new development now, because this is a, a recent podcast I recorded that's not yet been published, but it will be by this time, was with the special effects guy, Dan Martin. And... Yeah. Uh, he has a dog called Pig, and I said, well, this is your. we're going to use your dog, Pig, which is basically just the bark sound on an iPhone. Um, so <laughs> when people hear, that means you can. we can do the mastermind I've started to finish. I mean, finish your sentence off by all means. But, <laughs> okay. but when that, mean, that noise will mean five minutes are up, so we're going to move on to the next film. You've given me a list of five. It's not just me ranting, but you are going to ask. No, we're going to talk. I'm not, I'm not going to. You're, you're, you're not lecturing. You know, don't worry. So listen, Jim Carter. <laughs> I just start screaming. No, no, but the thing is, but I mean, like, yeah, we're, we're not. This isn't a political rally for action movies. It's just <laughs> what 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 we want um, in terms of it from Britflix is is it's a sense of like when you first saw it, how you watched it, who you saw it with, maybe you know, touch on influences on your. If you if there's any direct link to what you've made, then by all means point it out. It isn't. This isn't the BFI lecture series. This is this is I love movies. And if you forget something, no one's going to say, no one's going to be writing in going, oh, well, you know, he didn't say that the... Um... Right then, we're going to start. The five minutes are counting now. So the first movie I'm going to give you is Project A, 1983, right. um, with a little right. known man called Jackie Chan. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Yeah. Well, at the time, uh, with this into perspective, I didn't know who Jackie Chan was when I first saw this movie on VHS. So, so this is 1983. So, how long mm-hmm. from 1983 are you seeing this for the first time? Eighty-five uh, or eighty-six. Probably. Okay, so pretty, pretty much around the time it would have been circulating on the VHS shelf. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. This was the time of things like Imperial Entertainment and, and so forth, and obviously Canon, which will mm. feature heavily later. Um, first Jackie Chan film I ever saw. I didn't know anything about like the Three Brothers, which is him and Yim Bu and Samuel Hung. Uh, it had the one of the best screen villains of all time, and I, to this day, uh, the actor's name is Dick Way, and he plays the, the lead pirate, mm. uh, Sun Powell. Have you actually seen the movie? No, I've not. No, this is I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, and this is this is also part of the journey for me. Is I'm going to be told about films that I then have to go and see at a later date. Amazing. Well, there's a lot of influences in this film. There's influence of people like Gene Kelly. There's a Harold Lloyd direct reference to Safety Last, where mm-hmm. Jackie falls off a clock tower, and you see it like three or four times. And he, so, so the, the, the thing about Project Over, the thing about Jackie Chan that I didn't know at the time was simply just how grueling the stunts were that he did, let alone the fight scenes and everything else. I must have, now you've told me that scene, I have seen Jonathan Ross talk about this. Yes, the incredibly strange film show, yes. probably. Absolutely extraordinary. That was a, that was a defining program mm. for myself and a number of other people. Uh, Jude Foyer, who's an incredible stunt coordinator and a long-time friend. Uh, he might now deny that, but he's a long-time friend. <laughs> um, we both adored that show. Um, so, so again, I was not privy at that point to like the relationship between Jackie and his you know, brothers in parentheses, and a lot of the a lot of the cast that he worked with for a long time, like Mars and Typo, and there's loads of people in it who are just extraordinary. It's very very funny. It's got a kind of like um, I don't know, Keystone Cops might be a bit too a bit too extreme. There's a lot of slapstick. Uh, it, at the time, it was a PG. It's, I think it's a 12 or a 15 now because there were certain gory bits that kind of been reinstated. Um, it's absolutely wonderful. The music is brilliant. I loved the English dub at the time. There was a certain group of actors who dubbed the same the same uh, people like Jackie and so forth. So I kind of got used to that as a kid. Um, the fight scenes were, at that point, the most belaic I'd ever seen. I, I was not ready for Happy Chan at that point. And it just opened my eyes. I saw a lot of these action heroes kind of in the wrong order, if mm. you like. I in the wrong order. Bruce Lee came quite late for me, in actual fact. What is it? What is it about? What is it about Jackie Ch- Chan? Because obviously, 1983, he's, he never stopped. Mm. He kind of never stopped working, did he? In a way. No, he was. I mean, he was. I don't want to say his apex exactly, but he was like the, the, the early to late 80s and maybe early 90s were just extraordinary. When people say uh, Rush Hour was great, I'm like, watch Police Story for God's sake. Um, so, <laughs> so there's all of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's such a tapestry. It's a period movie. It's a pirate movie. The pirates actually come in a lot later in the movie, which I always forget kind of thing. Um, and the set pieces are just extraordinary, funny and uh, dangerous. Like you could have stunts just look dangerous. There's an incredible sequence in like a club, uh, where, where he's trying to capture a villain and he does a thing where he sort of jumps onto a chandelier, swings across the room and swings up onto a set of stairs. And, and it's all done in one, you know, in a, in a wide, um, and you just watch this stuff and it's captivating to this day. And one of the things that was great about Jackie was he was an amazing underdog. Not, not so much anymore, but he was vulnerable. He made you laugh. He could fight like a devil, you know. And the relationship he had on screen with people like Yun Bu and Samuel Hung, those films with those guys, compared to his more solo outings, there's, there's, sort, of magic, there's sort of magic in them. There's like a chemistry in them, like an alchemy or something. You kind of get the love. I mean, I mean, not, this might sound a bit crass, and hopefully, it's not. It's not meant to sound rude if it's took if it's ever taken away by key Jackie Chan fans. But he's a 
certainly what I remember of watching his films from the 80s anyway was almost like he was like Norman Wisdom who could do martial arts. That's not an unfair comparison or even, um, um, oh, God damn it, uh, some mothers do have... Well, oh, some mothers Michael do Crawford. Have Michael Crawford. Yeah. yeah, there was some of that in there. There were some stunts, I think, that they even recreated this thing uh, from Winners and Sinners, I think, where, where Jackie kind of roller skates under a moving lorry. And I think I think Michael Crawford did that because because that because because there's one there's one thing like you say from when you were talking about your film earlier about getting stunt coordinators in and fight choreographers and stuff, and then there's another one to pull off the joke as well as pull off the stunt, isn't it? The humor the humor in the film is just phenomenal. And again, maybe it's because I was a kid, uh, and maybe it's because you know no subtitles at that point. But a lot of it is physical and on screen. You don't like like the dialogue in many ways is detail as opposed to. Um, as opposed to, uh, like, it's not, it's not like um, dialogue-based humor, although there are some witticisms in the movie. So, oh, gosh, we did the five minutes. I told you, I told you, Pig would, <laughs> pig would start up right then. I, I would, just on that point, though, uh, fish, I would just urge people, if you haven't seen, uh, like, 80s Jackie Chan and you're in any way interested in him, watch Project A. It was my first outing, and it, it changed my perspective on that kind of filmmaking. No, no, we hear you loud and clear. Now yeah. we're move, We're still. We're going to stay in the same year, but a fairly yes. different standard of uh, action movie from what I <clears throat> from what I recall. Uh, and it's a long time since I've seen it. But Revenge of the Ninja. Hey, you know me. Do I have to haul your ass in again? Fuck off, pal. So one of the things about Revenge of the Ninja, and in fact the next film we'll be talking about, is when I was two two or three years old, all I wanted to do from that point was draw comics, write comics and draw comics for Marvel or DC. At that age, I didn't really understand there were different companies, but I loved all the superheroes, right? And I would just constantly draw superheroes again and again and again and again, um, even at school (laughs) and everything. Um, When I was 11, I watched three movies in one day that changed my life completely and made me want to make films. And now, for, for a lot of filmmakers of perhaps my generation, uh, a lot of people say Jaws or Indiana Jones or The Godfather or uh, whatever, right? For me, and we'll get into the rest of them, for me, Revenge of the Ninja, that was the first film I saw on this day that completely blew my mind when I was 11 years old. Because ninjas are superheroes. Or well, they look like superheroes. They're costumed, they've got gadgets and weapons. They tend to be fairly straightforward stories of good versus evil, etc. Um, and the, the, the violence, particularly the canon movie, which, boy oh boy, as I grow older, those films are problematic, but therefore wonderful. Like, I, I think that all of the flaws in those movies make them even better, but that's perhaps a limited opinion. Um, so, but the... To me, it was kind of cartoonish. There's quite a bit of blood in that movie, I didn't feel it as gore. Like, I never looked at it as like, oh, my God, that's terrible. I sort of thought it was entertaining. You know, sort of I was going to say, because IMDb's got it as R-rated, so is it, is it that violent? It is R, but in the UK, there was lots cut out for some of the weaponry and so forth. There was a lot of martial arts weaponry that was cut out. So when I finally got the US DVD many years ago, and at the moment, Eureka, my goodness, they released the three ninja movies, the Enter the Ninja, Revenge, and Ninja 3. Totally uncut on Blu-ray, gorgeous presentation, hugely recommend it. Um, but this movie really did, I mean, it absolutely changed my perception of films. I used to just watch movies as a kid, uh, you know, and, and enjoyed movies and stuff. 
I never had any aspirations, you know, to, to make them. But seeing this movie and then the other two, I was like, how do I do that? How do I, whatever that is on screen, how, how do I, how? Like, I had no, I had no, particularly I was 11. I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know you could get cameras, you know, or whatever. But that's what made me want to do everything, training in martial art, seeking out every action movie, blah, blah, blah. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's a fairly straightforward story of a ninja with a, whose family gets killed in Japan at the beginning of the movie. It's probably like a outside a Japanese restaurant in LA, but or whatever. It's it's not Japan, um, and uh, it was filmed in Salt Lake City, City actually. Um, but the point is, he then transposes his remaining family, which is his his mother and uh, his one his remaining son, uh, to LA, uh, and he works with a friend in a, a doll importing uh, company or something <laughs> shop which turns out to be a front for drug smuggling. Uh, and he gets kind of entangled with the villains who are his friend, who turns out to be the evil ninja, spoilers, uh, and, um, and the mafia, like the, the mob. So, uh, so he kind of gets entangled in that and lots of fights, lots of craziness, a lot of quite bloody fighting. And it leads to this crazy showdown between him, who, um, Shokusagi, who is the star, playing Cho Osaka, quite a, Quite a similar name there, uh, and and his uh, villain friend uh, facing off on a skyscraper above the city, and it's just glorious, totally crazy, some very strange sexual politics in, in the middle of it. His son Kane Kasaki is fantastic, and subsequently went on to do a lot of movies. And there's some there's something about the fight that are savage. They go back to I don't know if you've ever seen any Sunny Chiba movies, the Street Fighter movies. I've got the Street Fighter trilogy. Yes, the first Street Fighter I think is just an incredible film. It should be on this list really. Um, and while this film is arguably more goofy in, in ways, there's a, sad, there's a savagery to the fighting. But again, and particularly as it was my first martial arts movie, it just blew my mind. Like, like the techniques and the full force of the fighting. And it was very, it was very uh, there was no sort of wire working type fighting. It's a guy doing karate right, on these guys until the ninja stuff itself. So there's a bravura in it. And Sam Furstenberg, the director, has made many, many action movies that I love. Um, and he's also recently come out with a 750-page book called From the Trenches, which I hugely recommend for any independent filmmaker. Oh, that was good. There you go, you see. You're, you're flying, you're flying. I, I don't even know if I said enough about the film, but what's your I think you did, I think you did. <laughs> we'll, we'll recap the list, don't worry. Now, I think I think it's safe to say that num- number three on your list, which is 1985's, mm. uh, is kind of like... It's almost like decade-defining, never mind genre-defining. Yes, that 1985 in general, I think. How long is the flight? We land in Valverde in exactly 11 hours. Thank you. And do me a favour. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. So, Commando, tell me about... Tell me what the appeal is, the enduring appeal of Commando. So that's interesting. So so on that day of three films, uh, (laughs) that was film two. And... uh, and again, I've not seen a Schwarzenegger film. I actually tell you, that's not quite true. I'd seen The Villain, the Cactus Jack film uh, with um, with Kirk Douglas. I'd seen that, but I hadn't seen, like, you know, like Conan or The Terminator. Certainly not when I was 11, you know. Uh, so it was, um, it was uh, again, a bit of a revelation. Now, Commando, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I mean, he is like, he's like a cartoon in it. He, he is a cartoon. Um, and... Uh, like, and again, it's a very simple story. You know, the bad guys kidnap his kid. He has to go and do this awful thing for them, like an assassination of a, of a 
president that he helped install in some third world country, Valverde, which became very prominent in a lot of Shane Black uh, titles and Joel, Joel, uh, Joel Silver films and stuff. Um, and, and of course, he decides he's going to escape from doing this and go and get his girl because he knows, he knows in the end that his daughter, the bad guys will kill his daughter and all of that stuff. Um, and so it's a fairly simple movie. I mean, look, Taken kind of did it a little bit somewhat, uh, you know, much later. Um, and it's just this trail of destruction. It's, it's just, it's Arnold, whose voice, again, bearing in mind, I'm an 11-year-old kid, I've never heard anyone speak like Arnold Schwarzenegger at that point. Um, and today, I've never heard anyone speak like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I used to think he spoke like that because he's Austrian, but I've spoken to Austrians and none of them speak like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I don't, it sort of defies logic as to as to what his appeal was, but it was it was an appeal, wasn't it? It wasn't. It, if you were trying if you were trying to build it from scratch, you wouldn't do it like that. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, but he he's a self made man so many times over, which is extraordinary. But taking the film on its on its own terms, it's this kind of cartoonish, non stop helter skelter like action movie. And I've seen it. I mean, I've comfortably seen it more than one hundred and fifty times. That's not a joke. I'm pretty much watching it in my head as we're talking. Um, and, and the Prince Charles Cinema in London, for anyone who doesn't know, wonderful cinema, they show it on a semi-regular basis because they do the army marathon and all of that stuff. Whenever I see that movie, whenever I see Commando, from the moment he drops from the landing gear of the plane taking off, which is insane in itself, <laughs> just brilliant, um, it feels like the film takes 15 minutes after that. It, it was like another hour. It just, it just, it just blasts apart every time. Um, it's always the right decision for me to watch Commando. If I'm like, what should I do? Uh, should, should, well, we're gonna have for lunch. Watch Commando. Give, give, I mean, it's funny. Give, I mean, there won't be many. May there be some people listening, but there won't be many that have watched the film 150 times. Quite. It's confident. insane. What, I love every second of it. I was gonna say, but what? What are you? What? I mean, look, we all. Why, Ross? Why not? Wrong? Why no? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> whoa, tis me. Um, no, but but what what are you seeing there? What are you? I mean, I guess it's like listening to a good record. In the end, it's like you're just enjoying the moment. Well, there is that. First of all, I'm very old, so so I've, I've had many more years to watch it than some people. Of course. <laughs> but secondly, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you agreed. Well, <laughs> I can't. You know, I'm not spring chicken myself, Ross. So you know, <laughs> I've got no excuse. I've had the time to do it, but I haven't done it. <laughs> Well, you should make the anyway. So no, so um, one of the things that makes Commando so endearing is the plethora of mistakes, like continuity errors, and then uh, like just there's so many things wrong in the most glorious way. There's a thing where here's a card case with David Patrick Kelly, who plays the best piece of shit in the universe. He plays Solly. He's the most the most nasty piece of shit you've ever seen on screen, and he plays it with delight. Um, you know, he lets him go at the end, right? So um, he has a car chase with him. He's, he's driving like a yellow Porsche and it gets totally messed up in this car chase. And then Arnold <laughs> ends up on its side. He kills Sully. And then he, one man, obviously Arnold, just pushes the Porsche back over like nothing, which is great. And when it drives, when he drive, they drive away, he and Ray Dawn Chong drive away there, and there's not a scratch on the Porsche. Like, it's just beautiful. <laughs> so I love, Every second of it. In the end, in the end sequence when he's killing, he kills about 78, 80. It never stops, does it? I mean, the body, the body counting commando is um, quite. Literally, the, in, in, that, in that last, like, 10 before before the fight with Bennett, which is glorious in itself, he kills comfortably 80 people. Like, oh no! Um, but, and just on this point, go on. Dur during that shootout, 
There's an amazing thing where he fires a machine gun and like two guys go flipping through the air and you can see the springboards at the bottom of the frame. And that's why I love Commando. Probably that moment more than anything else. <laughs> so it's a once and all perfect movie. It is. Yes. It's 10 out of 10. We haven't even talked about Vernon Wells. Jesus. Um, who's amazing. We should probably move on to the next one though. We are going to. We are going to. Right. I know, well, I, yeah, I figured we might. So we're going to jump <laughs> forward to 1989 mm. uh, and Roadhouse. This is a Sears credit card. Beverly Agnes. Hi. That's a fairly simple pitch. Yeah, I think you'll find most of these are fairly simple pitches. <laughs> but that's, having, having been following as we've been going, that's the simplest so far. It's true. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and it arguably is. Although it's quite long. It's, it's, I keep forgetting that Roadhouse is over two hours long. It never runs like it. Um, first of all, totally out of context, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott is absolutely incredible in Roadhouse. Just, I forgot just, he's uh, in it. I moment. forgot he's in it. He, he plays Wade Garrett. And funnily enough... Wade Garrett is an influence on Stu changing his name to Wade Barrett for wrestling. One of his wrestling names. His last WWE that's name was nice, Wade Barrett. That's a nice link. Influenced by Wade Garrett. Yeah, absolutely. And and he is incredible in the film. Um, the fight's a great choreograph by Benny Aquiles, if I remember correctly, who's very briefly in a movie, who's a legendary kickboxer. Um, Marshall Teague's an excellent bad guy, as is Ben Gazzara. Patrick Swayze plays the bouncer, as you say, uh, and he moves to a town to sort of help clear up this bar. Um, the music is incredible. The Jeff Healy band, oh my goodness, absolutely brilliant. I was going to say, so, I mean, just for context, I mean, for the young, for the younger listener who might know Patrick Swayze as more of a heartthrob, you know, two years later, obviously the 90s defining movie Ghost comes out and then a whole new Patrick Swayze is invented. So who's this Patrick Swayze in 1989? Well, 
But bearing in mind, I think he'd done Dirty Dancing before this, right? I think. Ah, yes. No, you're right. No, you're right. I think so. Around, around the same time, certainly. But he's no, but, but he's still a heartthrob in the movie. I love the fact that the, the, the action hero, this is actually quite rare. The action hero not only is a heartthrob, he kind of gets the girl and it's a kind of a, a genuinely believable relationship. Sam Elliott tries to steal her from him, which is fantastically good, in front of his face, which is superb. Um, all of the fights are these kind of bar brawls, very kind of like Hollywood stunty fights, which are terrific. Um, it's, again, it's a very simple story. He's a man of a past who does this stuff, you know, he does this job, but he's obviously super, actually super smart and emotionally very in touch with himself. Again, quite rare for an action hero, particularly in the 80s. Um, and it's kind of, it's an action film with heart. I genuinely think that people who don't like action films can enjoy Roadhouse. Like, just on its own terms. It's goofy and silly. What's out of interest? Well, I can't remember. What out of interest? What's his backstory then that makes him such a tough fighter? But what's, where's well, he? Well, I mean, you never really find a lot out about his past, which I like. Again, it's got that kind of semi-Western thing because it's in a small town, so you've got that kind of slightly Westernish vibe. Um, you never really find out a lot about how he trained, but you find out about his education, a bit of his philosophy and all of this stuff. So you get the feeling that maybe his Eastern style trip, you see him doing Tai Chi on the riverbank and things like that. So you kind of, with an insane amount of body oil, by the way. Oh my goodness. Um, sorry, he's glistening. So, so somewhat like, homoerotic as well. Somewhat. Oh my goodness. It, it gets, <laughs> trust me, it gets my full attention. Right? <laughs> That's how the rock's doing so well. He, he, what, he slams on 19 litres of body oil at a time, probably. <laughs> at least. Johnson & Johnson must be doing so pretty Patrick well. So Patrick Swayze here, he's pulling off heartthrob and action star in yes, equal measure. Yes, yes. He's, he's actually interesting because he's a man of few words. He's, he, when he gets into it, he gets into it, but he's a man of few words, but he's smouldering um, and he pulls it off convincingly. It's not, it doesn't seem incongruous, which I find fascinating. Uh, and, you know, with the, the town doctor, who's also the, the, the subject of affections for the bad guy, who's played by the a dirty, nasty Ben Gazzaro. Fun. The bad guys are all a lot of fun. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it, it's that whole thing where it builds to, you know, they, they, they build the bar back up again, but the bad guy isn't having it because he's a property owner and doesn't want that. And it all kind of like, you know, falls to pieces and it leads to that inevitable final showdown at the bad guy's ranch. Like it's always that, that final lair, bad guy's lair thing. And that just works beautifully. Like it's just one of those films that, again, it is over two hours, but I'd be damned if I thought it lasted. And, 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 and because it's in America, and we know we know how big America is a country because you could you, you couldn't imagine just taking this story, could you, and putting it in small town England? It wouldn't. Well, it would have to be. It would have to be like Dorset, <laughs> like or But even Dorset's not that remote. You know what I mean? It's like it's in America. You really, you, even if it's a bit. Let's get to the Hebrides. Okay. Let's do this. We could do it there. <laughs> but but just that idea of it, yeah. I think as a kid, your perception as well of like this huge freaking country, USA, yeah. and yeah. then pockets of it. Because yeah. this conversation is reminding me of that of those times when you know you kind of however ridiculous things in the films got, you kind of just satisfied yourself that well that's in America it happened over that's it's bound to it's bound to have happened. Over I there. get that, yeah, and I get any kind of com again slightly comicy or cartoony. I mean, in many ways, it was the the first vengeance film was set in a fictional village called Devotion. Like it wasn't it was again it was a western, and it, there are various reasons why I called it Devotion, but but it. Again, it kind of gives it its Western feel. No one seemed to question it when they watched it. No one went, oh, is that, is that Bath or Bristol or, you know? So, you know. Well, no, you, 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 I, you, I stand corrected, you can. We can well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do a reboot of uh, Roadhouse. In the, in the, in the <laughs> right then, fast forward in to mm. one, of the, uh, one of the other big icons of the action, uh, the action movie genre. Well, it's two of them, really, isn't it? 
I suppose, I suppose, yeah, two for one. Yeah. Uh, you've <laughs> literally uh, <laughs> double impact from 91. Oh, it still hurts. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Maybe you should relax now. Okay. okay. Slowly close your legs. Ooh, beautiful. Doing well. <laughs> you know, stretching is so important. For example, because of my big legs and karate, I can do the splits no problem. Back and forth, back and forth. Feels good. <laughs> You're right in here. I'll be with you in a minute. Chad. Take over the karate class. Look, Frankie, I'm busy those girls now. No, no, this is business. Take over the karate class. Like this? Three! Gotta be him. Nee, Jordan Hoho. What are you, the ballet teacher or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm dancing, yeah. Also some uh, karate. Karate, yeah? Yeah, can you show me one of your uh, special kicks? You wanna see one of my kicks? Yeah. Come on. Yeah? <laughs> screen who wanted to fuck more I've never, what fuck so each crazy. other you mean yeah no doubt like fuck, fuck they both want to fuck the same girl <laughs> they definitely want to fuck each other there's a scene where they end up fighting each other which which had to happen the two brothers fighting each other obviously and it it's so penetrative the fighting it's just it's crazy i love it so much so what? Do you, I mean, it's, it's a while since I've seen it. So yeah. when they when, when they fight, when the fights that at the time of how you could film a film with two people. Yeah, I mean, you can look nowadays. You can with Blu-ray and all of that stuff. At the time, it was fairly innovative. I think like they did shots where they kind of walked around each other and everything. And I still think it holds up in terms of it just being so much fun that you don't care. You know what I mean? Like you can see sometimes it's a bit of a transparency, or what you can see it a little bit now in terms of the layers and all that stuff. But overall, overall, the doubling is done really well, actually. And it's just a blast. The film, I mean, again, I've seen it on the Prince Charles yet again. They did the band Bamathon a number of times, at least a couple of times. And watching Double Impact on a big screen. Because, because I mean, I was just thinking then, because by the time this film comes out, obviously he's a bona fide star, you know, No Retreat, No Surrender's been, Cyborg, Kickboxer, Death Warrant, Bloodsport, yeah. Um, and, the, and again, this is, it's like dredging over... Um, Posters yeah. in my video <laughs> yeah. shop that I can remember yeah. quite vividly, um, and these were these, um, and it's interesting because there was there was because we, we live in a we live in a moment now in film history where the kind of vod versus cinema release is somehow there's a less and there's more, whereas you could be a bona fide star and people have only ever seen you because they've rented your video. Sure, of course, at the moment, yeah. Back in back in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah, couldn't you? That true. was like that was no shame in no. that. Was I mean I know there was the the cine snob of. Uh, you know the director video kind of. But there was a reason. There was a reason why they did it. They did it because there was a market that wanted it. 
you know? Like I, I, one of my favorite movies, I, you know, maybe this is dating me too much, but I used to love going to the video store every Monday and finding, like you say, No Retreat, No Surrender, or a Shaka Sugi movie, a Lauren Avedon movie, a Jeff Wincott movie, a Van Damme movie, a Jackie Chan movie, whatever. Plus all the horror, like all the, ent- all the entertainment mm. in video movies. The Cura Killers and mm. King of the Kickboxers and just there's just so many subspecies and everything like that. You can't get those anymore. And there might be a reason for that, possibly, but those films to me were huge. Uh, Reanimator, like just, you know, Evil Dead movies, whatever. Just like, like mm. every Monday there was something that just made you go, Jesus Christ, watch this. Let alone the big movies, like let alone the big ones. I mean, in terms of you, I'm going to say, so in terms of you watching Double Impact and it's starring John claude Van Damme, had you seen a number, a few seen, of them before that you were watching this? At this, this point, like... I've probably seen roughly. I, I don't know if I don't even know if I'd seen the first No Retreat, No Surrender at this point, but I probably had. It's not my favourite. I, I prefer the sequels for whatever reason. Um, but mm. I mean, I like it. But um, I've certainly seen Bloodsport and Kickboxer and Cyborg. Probably definitely AWOL for sure. I loved AWOL, which is also known as Lionheart. One of his, one of my favourite films of his. So I'd seen probably all of the major ones like that had come out one way or another, and I was certainly a fan. So what what do you what do you feel is the enduring qualities of John Clavan? Because a bit like a bit like Schwarzenegger, you know, he's he was because of English the second language. It was always never going to be, you know, he's never going to be the the erudite monologue from the from the bridge. Is do you know what it comes down to? There's a, this may not be quite the right comparison, but Jackie Chan is close in terms of. What Van Damme was really good at, in the, certainly in his, let's say, his first half thousand or so, but certainly including mm. Double Impact, was there was vulnerability and charm to him. There really is, and charisma, mm. regardless of what you would call acting ability. I, I, I maintain, I think he plays the twins differently really well, like, given given mm. everything. And I'm not, I'm not trying to down with faint praise. I think that those two characters are defined and different. There is the ludicrousness of the fact they both have French accents but were brought up in Hong Kong and LA and all of that. And they have to very rigorously mm. explain why that yeah, no, we, 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 we have to brush have, that aside. But but just think but just thinking of his like because it's not long, no. you know, it's two years yeah. later when when he's um, you know, nowhere to run and hard target. Yep. Goes pig. Yeah. I will finish off this yeah. conversation. Um where well, clearly they tried to make a movie star of him, well, obviously. Well, Hard Target, Universal Soldier, uh, Time Time Cop, Southern mm. Death. Like, he made a... Bu- After Double, Double Impact, to me, at least, is where it kind of... Because it was a Columbia TriStar movie. So, to me, that's kind of mm. where he, as a, dare I say, bona fide Hollywood star becomes... becomes no, that's what I, yeah. I agree, I agree yeah. with you. I think because he's... It, the, it's, not, it's not just because they wanted to play no. with the idea of somebody playing no, two characters. I think there like, was... Claude Van Damme no. was... Was big in I think so. To... I think that there, I think that there was an opportunity seen there, and that, and that it kind of springboarded him on. I was always amazed they didn't do a sequel, and they should, they probably should still do it, because I think it would be really interesting. Well, look, uh, let's remind people. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to remind people of the list ah. first. So, thank you very much for giving us five great thank action you. movies. You're the first to do that, and your list is Project A from '83, Revenge of the Ninja from '83, Commando '85. Roadhouse 89 and what we just talked about, Double Impact <laughs> from 91. Um, uh, let's remind people then, the, your your new film, I Am Vengeance Retaliation, is out now. How can they see that Thank film? You. So you can watch I Am Vengeance Retaliation on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play and Microsoft. Um, we would love to hear from you on our social media channel. Shall I mention those? Or Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you'd be Lovely. far Thank away. You. So, so personally, I'm at Ross Boyas on all the things. Uh, Evolutionary Films, 
which is a production company, sales agent, and UK distributor for the film, uh, is mm-hmm. at Evo Films UK. And then to follow the franchise itself uh, online, it's uh, at Vengeance Film UK, uh, because at first these films were called Vengeance, and now they're all different sorts of titles. So, so but we love to hear from people. Please, you know, please get in contact. It's, it's great to hear from people and, and to interact with them. Well, look, it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on Britflix Podcast. Thank you. It's been amazing speaking to you again. Thank you. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.